I really appreciate Tommy sharing last week. Tommy Hodgman. He did a great job, great communication of the importance of the gospel and not leaving parts out. But one of the things he said was that that whole concept started with a class on apologetics. And he said, apologetics is not the gospel. It tears down the walls or it helps remove the walls so that people can hear the gospel. But apologetics without the gospel is a waste of time. Social justice without the gospel is a waste of time. So I appreciated that. Uh, Jude chapter 3. I'm sorry, verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. He's writing toward the end of the New Testament era. This is one of the later books written. And similar to Peter, he's saying, contend earnestly. I felt like this week that uh, what God had given me, I've been working on for a number of weeks, but it's a, I believe it's a word for every believer, especially in this day and age in which we live. It's a word for every leader, every pastor, and I believe for every church. So there's different levels of this today. But the bottom line is that we're in a conflict, a battle. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Light and darkness. Kingdom of God is referred to as light. The kingdom of the world is referred to as darkness. This conflict that we're involved in. Uh, The kingdom of the world, whose ruler is Satan, is against the advancing of the kingdom of God. So anytime we advance a kingdom, there's a conflict. You know that. So let's pray. Lord, even this morning, we realize that you're greater than every opposition. We realize that uh, you're the king, and we bow to your rulership in our lives. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal truth to us as we open our hearts and our minds to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever heard the term target fixation? Anybody? It was a term that started in the Second World War when they found that fighter pilots would aim at the target they were aiming at and often would fly right into the target. They found it in motor car drivers, and more recently, it's part of the training for motorcycle riders. Bottom line is, they, as Tim told me, you're told, don't look at the pothole you want to miss, because you go where you look. Don't focus on the pothole, focus on the way around it. A friend of mine in the States told me, because there's a lot of 
the roads have, riding in the mountains have trees. They said, if you ever end up off the road, don't look at the trees you're trying to avoid. Look at the gaps you're aiming at. Because the bottom line is that we go toward where we look. Now, that's a great theory. I found it very much practical in that Mary and I will go bike riding sometimes. And I realized that I need to put her in front of me because I like to, to go toward her. <laughs> but, but if I put her behind me and I turn to look where she is, every time I do, I end up off the, the path. Even when I know, if you turn to look, you're going to go that way. I still go that way. So the bottom line is that we move toward what we focus on. So I want to talk about today, what are we fighting for in the conflict? Not what we're against. If we focus on what we're fighting against, we become what we focus on. Too often the church focuses on the negative Don't be this. Someone said to me, uh, it's kind of like if I tell you, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. Whatever you do, don't think about pink elephants. Keep your mind off of pink elephants. All of you are picturing pink elephants, right? (laughs) So I'm going to talk today about five things we're fighting for. And I'll tell you why these five a little bit later. But I believe in this day and age, in the conflict that we face, toward the end of the the age, with the kingdom advancing and the enemy becoming more and more confrontational in trying to oppose that, we need to focus on what we're fighting for. And the first and foremost is we're fighting for the supremacy of Christ. Colossians 1.18 says... He's the head of the body of the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, when I say that, we're not fighting to make Jesus supreme. He is. We're fighting to keep our focus on him. That's one of the key things. The devil will do everything he can to get us focused on something other than Jesus. He's who we worship. He's the object of our affection. He's the king of the kingdom. He's the head of his church. He's the bridegroom of the bride. He's our treasure and our very great reward. His kingdom is what we're advancing. And so we have to fight in this conflict to keep our focus on Jesus. It is amazing how much pressure there is to get focused on something else. The devil wants us to get our focus on something else. We have to fight to keep our, fir- our worship Jesus focused. Second thing we're fighting for is the fullness of the Spirit. 
John 16, 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It's to your advantage that Jesus goes away and sends the helper, the Holy Spirit. What is that about? It's about intimacy with God. It's about hearing his voice. It's about being filled with his power. It's about moving in the supernatural. I want to tell you, there is a plan and a conflict that is the the strategy of the devil to get us to rely on ourselves rather than the power of God. To rely on our own thoughts, our own strength. How many of you have ever seen one of those little uh, bracelets? What would Jesus do? WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's wonderful and it keeps you in mind, but the whole concept is you figure out how Jesus would live and then you imitate that. Why isn't it, Jesus, what, what do you want to do? See, the subtle thing there is that it relies on you to figure it out rather than just simply asking him. In this situation, what do you want to do? But see, there is a ploy of the enemy that if he can't get our focus off Jesus, what he'll do is try and get us to serve Jesus in our own strength. To do everything in our own power. I'm excited about the word. I'm not upset when my voice gets loud. Third thing we're fighting for is the authority of the word. The Bible is God's self-revelation. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Inspiration in the Greek is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. What God said is his self-revelation. Not what we would have liked him to say. Not what someone else says he says. But the ploy of the enemy is to distort or to remove the authority of the word. Hey, it's okay. You can just pick the part you like. Oh, that part, that, that's, that's pretty hard. I don't want to deal with that, so I'm going to say that's not part of the Bible. Or there's something to distort what God really says. There's a whole lot of paraphrases of the Bible, and the underlying thing is that if we're not careful, the Bible loses its authority. Or if you can't do that, the devil's ploy is to remove it completely. You know that in 52 nations in the world, it's illegal or severely persecuted. The Bible. 52 nations. You can't own a Bible. You can't buy one. We're in a conflict. What are we fighting for? The authority of the word. Don't settle for some distorted 
diluted, watered-down version. This is God's word. This is what transforms. A lot of books can inform you. This one can transform you. Fourth thing we're fighting for, the kingdom of priests. What is that? That's the fact that we all get to do the work of the ministry. We're an army, not an audience. We're to be equipped and released to do the work of the ministry. You're a light in the city, but you're only one, but there's thousands. And when you put all those thousands of lights together, the impact is amazing. Devil will do everything he can to limit the ministry to a few professionals. If he can't get our eyes off Jesus, if he can't get us to, uh, to move away from the fullness of the Spirit, if he can't undermine the authority of the Word, what he will do is say, this is only for a few professionals. It's not for you. So what he's done is stop the army from having an impact. You're going to see in a couple minutes that I've changed the order of these because you don't know what they're based on yet, but I have. But the last thing that we fight for, and not the least by any means, I've put it last because I want to come back to this next week. The last thing we fight for is the gospel. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for, to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew person and the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Bottom line is that the gospel, the good news, is that we can be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You can come back into relationship with God. That's the good news of the gospel. How? Through Jesus. Only one way. How did he uh, accomplish that? By taking our sins upon himself so that this, our sin which separates us from God can be removed and we can be restored. But the good news is that you can come back into relationship with God. That's what you were made for. Interesting that uh, in much of the world it's okay to talk about God, but you can't talk about Jesus. You can talk about this concept of God, but don't talk about Jesus. And definitely don't say he's the only way. That's just not very nice. If we're going to fight for the gospel, we've got to fight for the pure gospel, not a watered-down version, not something that isn't the gospel, not some easy believism. Let's take all the hard parts out and just make it about feeling good. 
What about holiness? What about repentance? See, when a conflict, the devil fights to change the gospel. But with that, there's another thing that we need to fight for, and that's the boldness to declare or share the gospel. Because even if we have the right gospel, even if we understand that the reality of the gospel and it's never declared to anyone, they can't get saved. So if the devil can't stop us from focusing on Jesus or can't stop us from being full of the Spirit or can't undermine the authority of the Word or can't stop us from being a kingdom of priests and ministers, can't stop us from understanding the truth of the gospel, if he can stop us from sharing it, he's still what? I'm getting excited. Why these five things? There's a lot of other good things we can fight for. Why these five? I want to tell you. Because these are the fruit of the gifts that Jesus gave to his church. Ephesians 4. Verse 11 says this. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. These are the fruits. Matthew 7, verse 15, says, talking about prophets, says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, and inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You know them by their fruit goes on and talks about where you gather. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. How do you know apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the gifts that Jesus gave to his church? Not by their business cards. When we moved to America, a friend of mine was at a conference and he came back and he showed me someone's business card had their name and apostle. I just want you to know, I'm an apostle. Can you imagine Jesus? Here, here's my business card. Son of God. Jesus, Son of God. Not by their business card, not by their press releases or their public relations, but by their fruit. What is the fruit of the apostles? The supremacy of Christ and the extending of his kingdom. Paul said that's what he came to preach, the excellency of Christ, the unsearchable riches. What's the fruit of the prophets? Intimacy with God, hearing his voice. Moving in the supernatural. What's the fruit of teachers? The authority of the word. A love for truth. What's the fruit of pastors? The kingdom of priests. The equipping of the body of Christ. That we're a body together. 41 and others. What's the fruit of the evangelists? The declaring of the gospel. 
not a methodology, but that people come to know Jesus. We were at the uh, launch for the Billy Graham, uh, Will Graham celebration that was on Friday night at Door of Hope. And it, it was, there was a, a whole lot of it that was really wonderful. But one of the things that really thrilled me was the uh, mayor of Launceston got up and said, I want to encourage you to pray and fast for people to get saved. People are going to hell. He said, I'm so looking forward to being at this meeting and seeing people give their heart to Jesus. I went, what a place we live. That to me was one of the highlights. Unfortunately, there are some people who have basically said, uh, that type of evangelism is old-fashioned. You'd be surprised. There's actually been a lot of pushback about having a Will Graham celebration here. That it's old-fashioned and, and that mass evangelism. I don't care what, how you evangelize as long as people get added to Jesus. In all means that we might save. So that's what Paul said. I become all things to all men, but that by all means. Hey, I want every means. These gifts and the impact they have are what Jesus thought his church needed. Think about that. They're the gifts he gave, and therefore what we should fight for. But they're the gifts he gave. He didn't give unlimited resources. He could have. We have a precedent in the Bible that he made Solomon the wealthiest man on the planet. Jesus could have given unlimited resources to his church. He didn't. He could have given protection from danger and persecution. We have a precedent. Daniel and the lions did. He shut the mouth of the lions. He protected him. He didn't. Why didn't he give unlimited resources? Because he's our source. We already have unlimited resource. Why didn't he give protection? Because death has no sting. He could have given political influence. He made David, the king of Israel, he didn't. Why? Because the kingdom is an advance politically. It's a spiritual kingdom. A lot of things that we need to uh, fight for, but I think these basic things, the supremacy of Christ, intimacy with God, the authority of the word, the kingdom of priests, and the declaring of the gospel need to be our focus. If you're a leader, I'm going to throw in one other thing that I think if you're wise, you will see. So while well, I said there was five, I'm going to sneak in a sixth one. And that is one other thing we need to fight for, and that's team. We need all these gifts. If Jesus gave five gifts, we need them all. And so we need to fight for team. There's something in all of us that we tend to uh, like hanging around with people who are like us. There's an old uh, 
uh, saying that uh, birds of a feather gather together. There's something of this, prophets just love to gather with prophets. And all the prophets get together and they have this wonderful sense of the presence of God and it's fantastic. And they prophesy and they prophesy. But where's the authority of the word? Where's the lost? Then you get all the evangelists together and they're all about, let's go share the gospel, let's go share the gospel. Where's the discipling? Where's the supremacy of Christ? It becomes the, the focus. All those are good. Every one of those are things we should fight for, but we need all of them. If Jesus thought we need all of them, who are we to say, no, we don't need everything Jesus said we need. We just need good teaching. Get all the teachers together. Let's get into intricate detail and minutiae of the word, and we can fill our time and and get so focused. <laughs> I think many of the things that we, other things we think are important are really a byproduct of focusing on the right things. When we focus on Jesus, we're in unity. When we focus on unity, what determines the unity? Unity is a byproduct. There's, I don't know how many times I've heard leaders say, we need to fight for unity. I say, no, you don't. You need to fight for Jesus. And we'll be in unity. Because when we fight for unity, what becomes the basis of our unity? As long as you agree with me, we're in unity as long as you all agree with what I think. No, we focus on him. Growth of the church is a byproduct of the presence of God. I want to say, when we focus on growth, we lose both. Growth and the presence of God. So what's that mean for us as a church? I believe that God's restoring something today. He has been for about 20 years, and that is the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers that he's given to the church. But too often we think hierarchically and we look at someone's credentials or someone's business card or someone's PR. We need to get beyond that and start looking at the fruit. And then we need to say, I want that. What I want to say to you, choose the right battles. Is there unholiness in the world? Absolutely, there is. I could spend the whole time this morning focusing on all the bad things that are happening in the world and we'd all go home depressed and it would be true But that's not what we focus on. We focus on what we fight for, and then we'll have an impact. You don't become a light in the world by focusing on the darkness. You become a light in the world by focusing on the light, being plugged in 
to the power source. Let me encourage you, choose the right battles. Some of us, we need to get our focus back. I think the church as a whole, we need to get our focus back. There are people fighting for things that are good things, but they're not Jesus. I have some friends in the States, I look at their Facebook posts, and all of them are about things that are happening there, and I think, when was the last time you posted about Jesus? When was the last time you shared the gospel? Yes, we need to fight for personal freedom. That's secondary. I don't think Paul and Silas were fighting for that when they ended up in jail. And what happened? While they were in jail, what did they do? At midnight, they were worshiping and praising God, and the presence of God broke in. And what happened? They were set free. And the jailer got saved, and his family. And the church that we now know as the Philippian church, for which the book of Philippians was addressed to, was established because they didn't fight for their freedom. They fight it to serve Jesus and keep their focus on him. They fought, <laughs> fight it. My wife's an yeah, English major. <laughs> so she helps me out. My English would be terrible without her. Can I ask you to bow your head? I know there was a whole lot in there today. And it's not my enthusiasm. It's not how much I can convince you that I'm right. It's what the Holy Spirit is saying. He's the one who leads us into truth. And in praying over the last couple of weeks and preparing for this, I thought, Lord, what, what do you want to do? And I felt there's something in a bigger picture for the church and leaders as a whole across the state and this nation. But I also felt for some people right here. I just saw this picture as I was praying of Jesus putting his hands on either side of someone's face and just turning their attention back to him. He is so in love with you that he gets hurt when the devil gets our focus onto something else. He doesn't get angry. It's not like he's going to whack you or beat you with a stick. He just says, but I'm the one who gave my life and poured out my blood for you. Please look back at me. Maybe at some point in the past, you've been hurt. You might have been hurt by church leaders. You might have been hurt by circumstances. You might have been hurt by someone. But as long as that's your focus, it's the trees that you're going to run into. And Jesus is simply saying, I'm the answer. 
I can bring the healing. Will you look to me? I realize even the words about God's provision. I was thinking this morning, every time I give, every time I give, I'm declaring he's my source. Every time I give, I'm saying I trust in Jesus. Every time I give, I'm saying I'm standing against, I'm renouncing again the spirit of mammon and the spirit of this world. Every time we fight to keep our focus on Jesus, we are doing battle against the enemy and winning. Lord, we just stand humbled. We can come boldly to your throne of grace. We can come into your presence as we fix our eyes on you. We can be filled with the power of your spirit. We learn of you from the word that you've given. We get the privilege of partnering with you to be part of what you're doing in the world and we can have the opportunity of sharing the gospel and seeing people's eternity change. Lord, as we've gotten focused on lesser things, will you forgive us? As we've gotten our attention on even good things, will you forgive us? We choose to turn from that and say, Jesus, you're the one we adore. You're our treasure and our very great reward. Amen. Why don't you stand? Just because it's warm in here. I don't know if you're warm. I'm warm. Don't want you to fall asleep here. But uh, I'm not sure how to uh, finish this because I think there's something of God wanting to, to move and, and set people free. I think there's some people who've gotten so focused on other things that it's actually become a, uh, a chain that you need to be set free from. Uh, that, that there's some, some setting free that God wants to do. But we're going to just uh, dismiss. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, there'd be some folks here in the front who'd love to do that. Uh, if you haven't met Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. He is the one we're excited about. We do an added to the church time so that people can find out and ask about the church, but the church is not the gospel. The church isn't what saves people. Jesus is. He's our focus. Amen.